Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How are you going? Unfortunately, last weekend it was no good. The Eagles beat the Magpies. No good for me. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that pre-pod. I forgot about that. It was a good win, wasn't it? Well, the, well, Collingwood never actually had control of the game. They just left themselves vulnerable. And, and obviously, late in the game, you know, anything's up for grabs. And then just West Coast just took it, took over at that stage, late stage of the game. But I thought at no stage throughout that game that was Collingwood were in control. Um, obviously, a stack of inside 50s again, which is interesting. They're smashing it. But they just can't convert. So I would expect uh, Craig McRae to make, mix up some um, forward line stuff this week with the Magpies. And obviously they've got some uh, players out and players coming back in, so there's going to be a little bit of a mix there again this week. But you know, I think they're doing okay, Collingwood. It would have been nice to go 3-1 and one all of a sudden. But, uh, yeah, 2-2 two, two starts is actually not too bad. But from the Eagles' point of view, obviously smashed with the injuries over pre-season, obviously a lot of COVID stuff to deal with as well. But at least there's a little bit there, you know, and a couple more wins the next couple of weeks. So if they can turn it around 11, round 12 at 500, as in 6-6, six, six, you know, the, the finals are still uh, within reach, I would expect. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's, it gives the group belief, doesn't it? And all the hardship that they go through, they get a, a plethora of um, personnel back this week by the sounds of it, and, and it just steadies the ship in terms of leadership and structure. So everything's moving in the right direction now, but, uh, yes, applauding Simo and his team and, and the whole, you know, West Coast organisation, they, they've been through a lot and they've done really well. Okay, let's get into the pod. This is a monster podcast, but we're going to try to go through that really quickly. So let's get into it, Jet. So unfortunately, injuries are a part of the game, but they do open up ownership. Your thoughts there? Yeah, so naturally you're referencing Cripps and and even Proust to a point, even though he's suspended, not injured, it, it, it throws a spanner because do you hold, do you trade? And, and I love the diversity in the decisions. Not You can't say decisions right or wrong till till down the track. Um, but it, yeah, obviously we've got to roll with it. There's no, there's no perfect. I don't think a team has ever avoided carnage. So yeah, we just make the best decisions at the time of of the season and and back yourself. Well, there's certainly going to be errors, and most people, if not all, are going to uh, have errors throughout the year. It's just whether you know they're critical or uh, they create a situation where you, you're stuck for a few weeks, which actually can hurt your rank quite significantly. Uh, definitely referring to Patrick Cripps. So at this stage, it's one, potentially two. Um, he's obviously had a, sta- a really good preseason, so I think he's got a pretty good base behind him. But it's just, you know, it's a point of that midfield is actually still going well for Carlton, even though they were defeated on the weekend. I think it's, you know, without Cripps, it actually still could perform. Um, but, yeah, I don't think that long-term that they would to take a risk. So, you know, you know, if we don't get that confirmation before uh, this weekend's games, you know, you, you're leaving yourself... If you want to bench Cripps for that one week, you, you sort of just still don't have that guarantee yet. And obviously we're recording this on Tuesday night before round five, so we don't have the full picture just yet what the thoughts of Carlton are with regards to, you know, we, we expect him to miss this week, but what the thoughts are for the following week. But, you know, I mean, there's hamstrings are a bit of a standard three weeks, so, you know, if we're talking one slash two, um, I don't know, because generally in the past it's not been a two-weeker sort of injury. So, you know, do you really want to sort of risk benching someone that's going to be missing two weeks in a row, especially for that much coin. So that's really something to take into consideration there. 
Um, and obviously the injury history for Cripps isn't that great, but I'll just reference that he had a, a pretty decent preseason, so he's got a lot behind him there. Um, certainly the Braden Pruce suspension, uh, so he had heavy ownership in those top-ranked teams last week. I know you uh, stuck with the Gorn and Grundy situation, which has actually turned into a really good situation for those that are holding Gorn and Grundy now. Um, and which is really interesting. So for the, uh, a couple of people hit me up on Twitter uh, with regards to the, the um, Gorn decision from last week and, and to vice-captain him and turned into a monster score. But now, if you didn't trade that Pruce uh, situation in for Gorn last week and all of a sudden that Pruce is out and that, that the Demons do play the Giants this week, so a little bit of synergy there. So I reckon there's almost a chance to be vice-captain again this week. So that's that's another situation where, you know, you kind of get lucky. I did trade in Bruce last week, and I got a little bit unlucky with my trades, but it's still a no-bad situation for where I think I am in. Um, so again, it's, you know, and that leads into my next point here, is that having decent bench cover, like... Uh, really having decent bench cover. So we're going to get impacted throughout the year and obviously injuries. And, and especially this week, Jeff, because we've got five uh, days worth of games. So you've got the Hawthorne-Geelong game finishing up uh, round five there on that Monday late. So, you know, some of those teams are going to drop well after the first game started. So you've got to keep in mind that. So I would still reference that you've got to have a really deep bench. And one to keep an eye on, Jeff, with regards to injuries. It's not really been discussed uh, this week, but um, obviously watching that... Uh, game between GWS and Fremantle, um, it was Lockie Whitfield. So obviously he got his um, knee uh, jarred there in that game as well. And Leon Cameron, this is the one thing that has stuck with me all week. And the Giants have released their injury report for this week, and Lockie Whitfield is not on there. But Leon Cameron in his post-game press conference has said Lockie Whit- Whitfield is really sore. So that's just one to keep on your radar for this week. So having deep bench cover, I'm not saying Whitfield's going to be out, but when a coach comes out and says in a post-game press conference that a certain player is really sore post-game, you've got to put that on the radar. Even though he doesn't come in that injury report, obviously the clubs are not um, consigned to providing accurate inf- injury information, which is obviously a little bit of a bugbear of mine. But we've just got to take it on face value. There was an injury for Whitfield. He stayed on ground, but he was significantly limping. He did get checked out, finished the game. But when a coach says he's really sore post-game, that really that raises alarm bells with me left, right and centre. So obviously I was waiting for that to drop today because I was thinking I was coming on here tonight, you know, potentially we're talking about a Whitfield trade, but that's not going to be the case. But keep it in mind, make sure you've got really good uh, deep bench cover. And you know what? Even if you can put him in that midfield, if you've got decent midfield cover, um, yeah, your thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? Yeah, with with Whitfield, I think where the Giants, Giants are one and three, they play the D's this week. I think they can't. It's not rest time for Whitfield just yet, no. but I, it will come. There's no doubt about it. So that's after the DPPs, um, and hopefully we get a few things go our way there. And obviously we we highlight it. Um, yeah, the Proust thing. I think you know business as usual after he serves his suspension and and. And that trade works to, to a f- perfection because cash generation at the moment is just so tough. You know, we don't have rookies coming in and, and, and really dominating, um, earning cash quickly. So I think there's, you know, some patience needed with coaches and, and seeing out their plan and not panicking is, is pretty critical. Yeah, obviously uh, most people listening to this podcast know that I'm tracking news and 
And, you know, the Giants are off-road over there in Sydney and you don't really get that much uh, AFL news out of Sydney. Um, but, yeah, again, that injury report has come out. But, yeah, I am just tuned right into that one. So if I can somehow flush uh, whether he's in or he's out um, before, the, obviously, the round starts or, or there thereabouts, that, you know, that could be really good information for everyone. But, yeah, when a, when a coach, you know, a coach really says that, that a player's really sore post-game. So that just, just – I was – leaning back in my chair just listening to the press conference and taking some notes and then as soon as he said that I was just what what because I knew obviously the injury did occur but you know it's rare for the coach to come out and say yeah he's actually really sore post game but anyway we'll leave that where it is for everyone else listening just put it on your radar you know it's a little bit of information there hopefully players and gets in there and scores a pretty decent score uh, but you know just just keep it on your radar as part of your information build for the week already managing your available funds is an important part of the game right now Jeff. Oh, it's critical. And um, for me, I, I try to plan out four trades, so the, the week's trades and then the two next round. I don't look any further than that these days. And so having that cash at bank for, for, for the future targets next week and the week after or, or whatever it may be is, is super important. Um, you know, and, and the timing of the trades, so t- cashing out <clears throat> the uh, rooks that are topped up or topped in terms of their earnings and then hitting the underpriced premiums when, when they bottom out. So, yeah, all very important. You know, buy low and, and sell high, the old rule. Um, it it's, plays a part again like it will every year. Yeah, we'll get into the break here soon. But, yeah, um, critically not overspending for me is, is, is pretty important. So um, you can blow your bank in a, in a week upgrade or uh, over a couple of weeks and, you know, you think you're upgrading to a pretty good situation to getting those players in and scoring, you know, the big ceiling top players or the big scores. And all of a sudden you get to week three, week four, and you got nothing else, but you still got the mid prices in there or the the rooks under there that are not really scoring well, and you you're thinking you need to find an extra two or three hundred. So that's where you could you know manage your spend. Uh, potentially you don't have to go up to the highest um, salary player or the highest scoring player. Potentially some of those players are dropping, and you know we'll get into those break even soon. Like Petrarca's upcoming there, Miller's upcoming there. They're going to drop in salary. So you know if you can hit them on a perfect week and, and budget out what your trades are and what what it looks like and what their price is going to be. Um, so therefore then you can make some pretty decent upgrades rather than just you know blowing your bank on just one week where you think you know you've got everything sold because that's not the case. Uh, that's never the case. So you really need to budget that out over a longer period of time. Alrighty, the ability to loop decent scores on ground is obviously a big part of the game right now, Jeff. Oh, for sure. And um, I got caught napping last week with um, starting Cherry. And I could have benched him and, and, and tried to loop it. I, I realised after and it quite a, cost me probably 60 points So because um, I had Rochelle on my bench doing nothing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, always paying attention to that. Um, a mistake on my behalf, but um, I won't be making that mistake again, let me tell you. Yeah, the one for me, and I thought a lot of people did get caught out here as well, was Josh Ward. Obviously, he did well the previous week, and his centre bounces have actually been really strong. But for me, it was, a, you know, it was Horn Francis was a starting emergency for me in the midfield. And then um, what I wanted to do is that, you know, if he scored well, that loop him in, then obviously then that allowed me to uh, bench Josh Ward, and he just scores 27. So um, obviously the difference here is quite significant, but those who were relying on Josh Ward to score, uh, he didn't get there for the week. So obviously, you know, a, a big, decent change in rank for me because I was able to not start with him, but others who had to start him obviously um, potentially could have slid on in rank there as well. So those type of decisions, the one that you had, the one that I've just mentioned as well, 
well uh, just to manage that out each week so obviously go in each line see where your advantages are you know put your emergency uh, potentially on someone who's going to play early in the week obviously you can loop them in and obviously you've got our players that aren't playing so um, I've got a couple at the moment which is actually quite handy um, and Durden was the one last week where uh, a lot of people uh, took advantage of that situation with regards to putting you know taking Michelle and, and and other players as such to put him on the bench and yeah, uh, certainly points to be made and points to take advantage of, certainly right there. All right, let's move on. So we are talking AFL Fantasy Season-Long Classic Mode. This discussion is pre-round five. This podcast is being recorded on Tuesday night, April 12. And, of course, I, as I always say, the news has been crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. So obviously we're hitting Easter this week, so potentially you know, news might be a little bit quieter on Friday um, into Saturday, but you really, really need to pay attention Jet sort of uh, coming Friday and Saturday with those teams coming on, those games coming up on Sunday and Monday, of course. All right, let's get into some ownership. So we're talking uh, round four ownership. So top 25 here we're talking and 20% higher uh, these are the players we are interested in discussing right here. So into the rucks, Jeb. Um, so it's Braden Proust at 80%. So 80% in the top 25. So it's really interesting. So the, the you know the Gorn and Grundy combo is a little bit owned a little bit more than last week. And and the number one ranked uh, team in the country right now, or in the classic mode, it actually has the Gorn and Grundy combo. So uh, there's a, there's a few filtered in that top 25, but Braden Proust at 80%. So there needs to be some heavy adjustments right there. Uh, going into this week. Your thoughts there, Chip? And just on Brody Grundy, he's 68%, and Max Gorn is at 44%. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, it depends on everyone's cover, obviously. The, the, the Hayes makes sense if covering Ryder, as they are too, and he's performed in the past. That ticks a box. Um, but um, I'd still maintain and hold Proust because we know he's only out for one week, and the, the cash gen that he will create when he does come back is, is significant. Um, but yeah, obviously for the short term pain a week for those coaches, it's going to be um, it's going to be hard. But you, you wear it and, and you move on. Okay, defenders. So George Hewitt absolutely crushing it at the moment. And if Cripps is out to one two week, one or two weeks, those centre bounces and that midfield usage is going to remain strong for Hewitt. So he's getting the scores at the moment and he's doing really well. 100% owned. James Sicily 96%. Lockyer Woodfield 92%. Jaden Short crushing it early in the season. The scores have actually been better than what I thought he could do at 88%. Jack Crisp at 52%. Nathan Azri scores strong scoring week last week 32%. Jordan Dawson 28%. Luke Foley 24%. Daniel Rioli, 24%, and Jake Bowie, 20%. Your thoughts there? Yeah, so now the, the, those mid-prices will start to drop off. The, the Foley's need to be moved on, I think, especially with the personnel that the Eagles getting back. Um, and Bowie was obviously a disappointment to, of what he can produce. Um, so decisions are going to be made there. And, and when you have an underperforming mid-pricer, it really stings in your rank. So they're there to earn cash. And score points. So I expect movement there for sure. So the situation with Bowie last week was a little bit unfortunate. So uh, he was a little bit owned in this top 25. So the situation played out like this for Bowie. So it was almost a negative game script for Melbourne with regards to the defenders because 
early in that game, Melbourne were actually dominating, but they they couldn't put it away. So Port Adelaide hung onto that ball across halfback, and they're chipping around. Their disposers were going through the roof across their halfback line. So therefore, you know, Bearways are playing a small defender. Most times when those uh, they've got a full complement of defenders in the team, he's playing a small lockdown role. So firstly, the ball's not even getting into that Port Adelaide forward line enough, and there's not enough space for him to work to get, you know, if he's playing that loose, to get out and get some disposals going. So it was, a, it was really a completely negative game script. Is The ball was just there, not down there in his zone often enough for him to get the scores going. So, you know, and when, you know, Lovie came back into the team and obviously other players that come back in that team, so eventually he's going to turn back into a small lockdown defender type role um, and the disposal is going to be less and less. So you probably pretty much need to get out of that situation upcoming. Um, but, yeah, that was a really... I think his scores were really, really hurt by Port Adelaide hanging onto the ball. Um, and obviously in that, you know, early in that first half, Melbourne just took five minutes and they blew the game away. So then that just turned on to, you know, Port Adelaide hanging onto the ball a lot more. So nothing there for Bowie. All right, on to the midfielders. Uh, Nick Dacos, 100%. Lockheed Neal, 92%. Jason Horn, Francis, 88%. So these are all on ground. Uh, Patrick Cripps, 84%. Jack McRae, 76%. Andrew Brayshaw, 64%. Matt Rao, 52%. Josh Ward, 48%. Matt Crouch, 44%. Jack Steele, 24%. Tom Green, 20%. Thoughts on any of those, Jim? So Cripps, Rao, and um, Matt Crouch really well represented there, and all three have their issues. So, yeah, again, lots of movement in those areas and, and lots of changes that need to be made. Yeah, so Crouch is fighting, battling, you know, up against Keys, who's getting a stack of it, and you know, Lair, who's is a bit of a general in that midfield there as well. So he's just he's battling to get enough ball there for him as well in that midfield. Um, but he's playing. That's the most important there. You just really got to factor in that he's actually playing. That's actually still a good thing. Um, the other one there is Matt Rao. So uh, I actually went back and had a look at that game again to see you know what he's doing at stoppages. So. The thing with Gold Coast, and I mentioned on the podcast last week, is they're really efficient with their ball movement. They're not really hanging on to it. So if he's not part of those chain links moving the ball from defence to forward, he's going to miss out with his marks. And I believe he's only taken two marks the last three weeks or something silly like that, which is really interesting. Obviously, it's going to keep his scores really locked down low. But his bread and butter is at stoppages. So um, my thought was last last night, I need to go back and have a look. What's he doing at stoppages? You know, is he blocking out opponents off the ball? So his focus is actually not getting the ball himself. And it was a little bit like that last night against Carlton. So I wonder if that opens up a little bit this week against his other opponents. But he smashed it around one. But, you know, Tuke Miller was tagged last week, so they just really wanted to change up that mix. So played a little bit of a selfless role, which is no good for fantasy. So, and the other thing is, obviously, the Gold Coast moving the ball efficiently. So, you know... How many opportunities is he going to get? So uh, Gold Coast are averaging really low 300 for disposal, so, so which is actually really low. Um, so what opportunities does he get? So again, his bread and butter is at stoppages. So going through that footage last night, it was, it was about three or four or five occasions where he was at the situation where the ball, he could claim the ball and get a handball out. And that's another issue there is his kick to handball ratio is actually really poor for fantasy. Yeah. His, his handballs are really just stacking up against the kicks. But... Again, let's relate it back to what his bread and butter is. It's that stoppages, getting it in, extracting it out, and giving it out, which is pretty much by hand. So that's where you're getting a lot of the handball uh, kick ratio being really poor. So, you know, he was at this situation like four or five times last night where 
as I was watching the footy, footage, obviously, from Sunday, where he had the ball and just, he just didn't get it. So I think, you know, and a good day where it's dry and he could get actually claim that ball, you know, there's an extra 15, 20 points there. So which is, you know, it's about, it's about that 85 to, you know, 80 to 85 to 90 range, which is still not that bad. So I think he was a little, just a little bit unlucky there. But there were some stoppages there where he was blocking opponents off the ball. So... You know, when his focus is not there to, to be the number one, which obviously Miller is, but if his focus is not to get that ball and blocking opponents off, they'll allow Miller to go and get the ball. You know, that's probably not as good situation for us to be with regards to owning him in fantasy. I still like the pick busy's role as big in that midfield, so let's see how that plays out for, from over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, just really on my radar, if he's not that trying to claim that ball and he's blocking off opponents... You know, at that centre bounce and stoppage structure to allow Miller to be that, you know, get in there, sweep in and get it out as quickly as possible. That's a bit of an issue for, for Real. Just your thoughts on that, Jeff? Yeah, I, I traded him um, a couple of weeks ago because I was worried about his spread from stoppage. And I saw him hanging around the contest. And although he lays tackles, he, he he's sort of waiting, reacting, not instigating. Um, and that was enough for me. I from last year, watching last year, and his lack of spread from contest, and it was enough to get get rid of him. Um, obviously fortunate in that decision, but the problem is there's a lot of owners with Crips and Rao. You, you could potentially trade both, but it's a bit, bit murky there. I think um, the, the play is probably hold Crips and, and trade Rao in that scenario because... And you just hope Crips is only out for a week because, like I said earlier, the mid prices that are underperforming absolutely kill you. They bleed, you bleed cash and you bleed points. Alrighty, let's move on to the forward line. So we've got Will Brody at 100%, Josh Dunkley 100%, Zach Butters 96%, Stephen Canelio 84%, and has seen a real big reduction in centre bounces the last couple of weeks. So Nick Martin, their score still getting done there at 80%, Tristan Cherry there at 64%, Tim English 48%, and Isaac Heaney 28%. Thoughts on any one of those, Jeff? No, they, they all seem pretty straightforward to me, those, those picks. Okay, who are your top three targets for round five, assuming you don't own any? So I like Callum Mills this week against West Coast and his run coming up. He obviously coming off the Achilles injury, but a month of footy and, and he's getting his timing and, and time and ground right. So big tip there. Jack McRae obviously speaks for himself. Um, 920000 probably might go a little bit cheaper, but this is the point now, and I love what the Bulldogs run is coming up. I, I really do. And then <clears throat> lastly, it's um, lastly it's Tim English. Um, yeah, really proved me wrong here. I was hesitant to get him a couple of weeks ago and um, performing around the ground again, ticking a lot of boxes. Top six forward for me and probably the most ideal Proust cover for this week. Yeah, for me, it's Tim English at number one there for me. Uh, so obviously, Bevo has spoken about um, him playing behind the ball. So that's a lot of, you know, working from defence and, and back up through the midfield, which is great because, you know, the Bulldogs do have the injuries in defence. So Keith is out and they're, they're, some of their tours are, are not playing at the moment. So English is going to have to play the, the situation where he's going to have to fill in holes. And, you know, if he's playing across half-back line, intercepting and being part of chain links moving forward, that that's all good because his hit-outs are not really there to, to an elite level yet for a ruck. But if he's getting a lot of ball disposals, so he's averaging early dis, uh, 20 disposals uh, per game, which is really good for a ruck, that's elite. 
So um, there's a target there for me for English. Sam Doherty in defence. Um, obviously, uh, to lock in defence for a high-scoring defender there. And Tim Durand, a bit of unique. Uh, not really strong ownership in that top 25 there whatsoever. So if you're looking for a unique path, Tim Taranto there. But he is quite high with regards to spend. All right, Jeff, let's get on to notable low break-evens. So I'm going to roll through uh, quite a few here. So we'll come back and you can hit on any one of these. So Nathan O'Driscoll, uh, 190 points last week. So minus 32, Hugh Dixon, minus 12. All of a sudden, the situation is there, you know, with Nick Nui, his injury, and what does that do with Dixon there? So Nick Martin there, minus 7. Nick Dacos, plenty of cash still to be made there, minus 2. We've got Corey Durden coming back. Just at two there, Jackson Mead still hanging around there at four. Neil Erasmus at four. Uh, issues potentially coming up with the squeeze and selection at Fremantle with regards to Tucker coming back in and Sarong if he's ready to go coming back in. Uh, so you've got to be a situation to watch there with Erasmus. So then we've got Marcus Winterhager, who was actually really good on debut last week for the Saints. So he's at a break even at six. Braden Pruce obviously suspended for this week, so not really a trade target. But, you know, if you want to go there next week, there's a potential. Uh, he's at six there as well, Malcolm Roses. He was actually really good there for the Suns on the weekend, but he plays that small forward role. So is that someone you really want to play with it? Just a break even at six, but he is 228k. So if you really need to spend down this week, you know, Roses could be an option. But small forward roles, you know, it's really volatile scoring there. Willie Rioli getting up there in price now, but still a break even at nine. Uh, Hugo Ralsmith still doing okay, 66 last week, break even nine. Jason Horn Francis obviously into the midfield, a stack last week for the Kangaroos. Uh, but Taron Thomas is now on the radar to come back um, pretty soon. So just keep that on your radar with regards to Horn Francis and what that does to his midfield opportunities there. When, once Thomas comes, comes back into that team, he's got a break even at 10. And Jack Hayes all of a sudden back into the picture. Paddy Ryder suspended for two weeks. And Hayes could be right back in the frame for selection, Jet. The Bruce, the, sorry, the Hayes situation is an interesting one with Bruce owners at R2. Um, timing is impeccable for those that kept Hayes, obviously. And... Yeah, look, the the rooks. The, we we need to pay the play the cash game at this time of year, don't we? So, trying to earn the money. Um, I thought Winhager at half forward and, and his bit of a wing role was was quite good. Showed toughness, and obviously Saints are uh, playing really well. And um, he's my target for this week. Um, but you know, anyone with a decent break even that can only cash is, you know, you need to select them. Okay, notable players potentially dropping in salary on the radar to target soon, potentially, uh, with a break-even of 130 or more. So Tuke Miller, 160. Christian Petrarca, 154. Clayton Oliver, 137. Jeremy Hare, maybe 137. Cam Guthrie, 137. Scores just haven't been there just yet. Sean Darcy, no good last week, so he's at 135. Dane Zorko, wow, some up and down yo-yos right here with Zorko. Uh, off, that, yeah. off that half-back line can score big and then all of a sudden scores low, so 134. And Aaron Hall, 133. Thoughts there, Jet? Yeah, well, it's, it's a wait and see on all of them. They're all discounted. Well, most of them are likely discounted premiums to target later. Yeah, the one for me coming up potentially is Christian Petrarca. Maybe not this week with regards to uh, potential tag, you know, for the, against the Giants, but, you know, 154, you know, he's going to be less than uh, 900K very soon, so he might be one for the radar there. Uh, Oliver certainly in the mix there, less than 900K already as well. Already, so strong scoring output with a 115 average or more the last three rounds. So 
Uh, Bailey Smith, his scores have been excellent to start the season. 8.72k, he's averaging 131. Travis Boak, 129 last three rounds, so 938k. Andrew Brayshaw getting it done, obviously, still 129 last three weeks. So that obviously is big scores mixed in there with that average as well. 981k, but the spend is really high. Uh, Jaden Short, fantastic start to the season, 842k. Josh Dunkley there, uh, obviously high centre bounce usage, doing well for the Bulldogs in the middle of the ground, 874k. Ben Keys, no ownership there in that top 25, so he just keeps getting it done. So, you know, it's, it's probably the time where we, we've got to think about it. It's, it's the one and two in, in the Adelaide team right now. It pretty much has to be Keys and Laird. So, you know, Keys does have a ceiling. He did show that last year as well. Uh, but Crouch obviously didn't play. But now we see Crouch in that team and see what it does. So, and Rory Sloan is on the outside of the midfield. So that uh, opening up opportunities for Keys in that midfield there as well. And Tim English there at 809k. Thoughts on any one of those, Jep? Yeah, the key situation reminds us a lot of Jared Lyons last year, where low ownership at the start of the year, no one sort of touched him. And then it became a point of difference later when he was really expensive. So... Mm. I find I don't like doing POD premiums just yet. I, I like to keep it simple at this point in time, but, um, you know, I'm getting a bit toey not having keys or, or someone like that that can really change the season. Yeah, he's up at 966k, so it's pretty up there in spend. You can have to blow your bank pretty much, you know, to get him in. It's still guaranteed, but, you know, as I said last week, podcast is that, you know, the Adelaide are, you know, potentially holding on to the ball a little bit more, so that plays right in the hands of Key. So, you know, he does have a ceiling, does have a monster ceiling, but 966k, you're going to have to spend quite a lot to get there. So, okay, Jep, on to a few key players for the listeners, and there's probably more than a few. Uh, time to play like or dislike. So, we're going to do a 46 pack to finish off the podcast. So we'll try and get through as many of these as quickly as possible, but there's going to be a couple that we stop on. So Took Miller Jet right now, like or dislike? No, right now it's a dislike, but it'll be a like later, obviously, when he bottoms out. Yeah, same for me. Dislike now, but like later. Tim English, like for me. Thoughts? Yeah, big like. Love him. Uh, Matt Real. Dislike. Oh, I'm going to have to start to lean on the dislike here. Because if he, if he's blocking, be. if he's If he's blocking opponents off the ball and to Leah Miller to come in and sweep in and get the ball... That's gonna be no good for him. So I'm just I'm going back to the dislike here. Just just there, but you know I could flick back. But we're right on the border there for me. Uh, so dislike from you. So Bailey Williams West Coast thoughts. Uh, dislike doesn't really have the scoring ceiling that uh, that we probably need from him. Yeah, gonna be interesting to see how uh, West Coast approach the Nick Natnui situation and and who they go with. So I'm happy to play this, wait and see and watch what plays out. So obviously my thoughts are no West Coast, Western Australian players this year as well. So that plays into it. So dislike for me. Uh, Although Nathan Driscoll, I'm going to have to break a bit of a rule here. I do like. Yeah, like uh, obviously was played out of his skin last week and, and surprised everyone, including myself. Yeah, the break-even's too big to ignore, I would imagine. But there are players coming back into that Fremantle team, so let's just see how selection goes this week. But big like for me. So Jade Gresham, for me, uh, you know, there's, you know, when he has a low disposal game, you know, the score's going to be pretty low because he doesn't really hit those tackles there for me, yet. Yeah, he doesn't hit all the stat lines. I think he had four goals and scored 90, low 90s from memory, so yeah. dislike. Yeah, dislike for me there as well. Pat Lipinski, I'm going to a dislike now for Lipinski. Yeah, dislike for me too. I traded him last week. Pack grip. So this is the decision there is that you know, my first question to you: you get, if it's if we get the information out of Carlton that it's one week and it's one week only, what are your thoughts? You trading or holding? If it's one week, you hold. I think it. For, uh, look, my team 
Yeah, it, it depends on everyone's team too, doesn't it? So mm. I have an opportunity to trade Crips for an Uber Prio and have some cash at bank to see me through the next two weeks. So I'm considering that. But, you know, if it's one week and you trade Crips and he comes out, is it limited time on ground? Does he have a slightly different role? Do they protect him a bit more or... Or is it business as usual? And because he had that amazing preseason, he just comes out and goes bang again. Lots of questions, no real answers. We can all look into the crystal ball. Um, ultimately, for me at this point, I'm looking at my decision based on is he actually going to be a top eight, top ten midfielder overall in the comp right now? And I think the answer is no. I can I can name ten ahead of him. Just not, you know, he's not far behind. So for that reason, and given, like I said before, I can plan, I can have cash at bank for the next two weeks that will hold me in good stead. I think it's a trade for me and my team and the way I'm set up right now. Yeah, for me, I think it's a trade as well. Um, I yeah, just for my, I think you're right. Based on everyone's team and everyone's team needs for this week, um, I've got a stack of spot fires in my team, which probably most people do have. But you know, I think Crips does help that trade with a situation in my team this week by trading him out. But he's got uh, Proust as well, so I need to yeah. cover off on that. So that that's sort of one lens into the other with regards can, to what, what I can do. Can I just give a scenario? If I had Cripps and Rao in my midfield right now, I'd probably hold Cripps and trade Rao. Mm. So, it, like, yeah, to me it just depends on your team and where your team's at and how it's looking. Yeah. So for me... Uh, Look, I like Crips long term, but you know, hamstring injury and soft tissue, and you know, if they rush him back early, what does that do? And I don't think they will. I don't think they'll risk him at any time in the near future. But it's still started season three one, and you know, all of a sudden finals are on really on the radar. So they, do they really want to put him out and risk him? You know, that you know, there's one short term injury turn into you know just a season long of trying to deal with his hamstring, and you know, it turns into other issues. So. I, there's no way knowing a Carlton they're going to take a risk with him, you know. So if, if they do have to wait out another a second week, you know, maybe even a third week, is it? Yeah, I think they'll lean on the side of being really cautious here with Cripps. So, so I think their midfield is still uh, good enough to cope with with yeah. pretty much any other midfield anyway. So if they beat Port Adelaide this week, then Pete, do you think they'll rest him again, or they give him the extra week to get him cherry right? Because well, they'll be four and one. Well, that's probably go to lean into your thinking is that you know can you pinch another win without him? So if that's the case, you know you get the you get the the win to go you know an, another win above 500, then all of a sudden you get another week's rest for Crips. So I think that does play a little bit of percentage into Carlton's thinking. Um, I'm not certainly no coach whatsoever, but you know if they think you know if it if it's you know he's ready to go, but you know let, if we give him another week, he's going to be super cherry ripe. They might head down that direction. I don't know uh, if that's the case, but you know it's got to be a, a, maybe one. Two percent of the thought process. A long plane ride's good for hamstring injuries because they got Frio in Perth in round six. Well, that's I mean that's another thought there as well. So yeah, so I'm leaning on the side of trading, but my situation leans to it that I pretty much need to trade him anyway to do what else I need to do with regards to so many spot fires in my team. Uh, there's nothing like spot fires in your team to get the trades flowing. All right, let's move on to the next one. Jep, so it's Matt Crouch. So the scores just haven't been there, and I, I, I don't even think he's even in that top two for scores for fantasy so which is a little bit of an issue there so for me it's it's keys there and it, it's led and you know midfield's actually going all right for Adelaide so you know Crouch it's probably just not going to get there but he's still playing so I think it's a positive 
if you've got nothing else to do, I'd pretty much you know look at doing something. But for me, with regards to scoring output, it's just right on the fence here, and I think I'm going to go dislike. Yeah, dislike for me as well, mate. Bailey Smith, really interesting here. Like, how many Bulldogs players can you have in a team? I don't think you can have enough because they flick the ball around and the disposal rate's huge. But, but, you know, oh, just how much trust are we going to put into what Bevo could do now? Exactly. All, all of a sudden, he could be off half-forward line and... You know, Libba hasn't really spent much time in those centre bounces this year, and so at some stage, once he gets his full fitness back, um, that he's going to be right in there and right in the mix, you know. And, and the fact is that the Bulldogs are 1-3, and three and Libba hasn't been in that midfield, like really in that midfield. Um, he was in there sprinkling last week, but the week before he was in there, the crucial points of that game, uh, which they won, and he was in that midfield in that last quarter. So I think... So I think they might go to Libba soon. Look, I love the Bailey Smith pick. You know, if there's any situation where I think that that score is going to be maintained, that average is going to maintain, he's a monster target, he's a big like. But, you know, I think Trelaw's, obviously last week his centre bounces declined, so I think he's on the outs with regards to his centre bounces. So Libba's going to have to go back there and it's at some stage. And if they keep dropping games, man, you know, Bevo's going to have to change up something. And that's pretty much what he's done previously. But... Yeah, I, I'm not too sure. Like, I love the people, but I'm not too sure that this average maintains. Therefore, you get overspending, which, you know, you know, could be possible. So, But I do like it, though. So I'm a, I'm a like. I'm a dislike. I just think it's too much risk. History tells us that Bailey Smith has done he's done this before. I remember last year, and then he's, he's had some mediocre games. So you've missed the boat, in my opinion. It's, it's a dislike. There's plenty of others you can pick up. Yeah, but he's right at this age, Jep, where he's just just start to about to mature as a midfielder. So, you know, if they let him free reign in that midfielder, he's just going to rack up some enormous numbers. So he's right at that p- perfect age of just maturing nicely into this midfield role. But the Bulldogs have got a stack of these guys. So, you know, what happens? Does McRae then sit on the outside in the wing? You know, because he wants Smith in there as that, that, you know, the, one of the pulls in there. Yeah, I like the pick, but... Yeah. So, so the top three CBAs from against Richmond were um, McRae, Bont, Bailey Smith, and Dunkley. Bailey Smith had 16 CBAs, Dunkley 15, Libba had eight. Hmm. So yeah, look, it's very interesting. I think Libba, we both agree, he's the best clearance player in um, in the dogs in the side. Um, you need Bont in there for his class and in his delivery inside 50. Um, so Dunkley becomes expendable a little bit. So does McRae and Bailey Smith. They, they're the three that share, and they're the three that are most popular probably right now in fantasy. Mm. Wait and so I'll, again, I like the peak, but you know, just you know, are you overspending? All right, let's move on from that one. So I'm uh, going to probably join these two together: Nick Blakey, Justin McInerney. I think, still think the score is going to be volatile. Um, so for me, uh, like McInerney was in those, the middle of the ground to finish off that game last week, and they really needed him, and he actually performed quite well, and he scored quite well. Um, I'm probably still going to sit on dislike for both. Yeah, dislike for me for both. It's only because this time of year, it's the time to upgrade. Traditional downgrade and upgrade. Don't get cute with mid-prices at this time of year, in my opinion. Yeah, you aren't going to have to be trading him out in a few weeks anyway, so you're double trading for nothing, no reason whatsoever. So, you know, cash down, bring someone in really cheap that's going to play three, four, five weeks, hopefully, 
um, so they can make you some money and obviously then use that bank. Um, and that just probably begs into another, leads into another question there, Jeff, is that if you don't have enough cash for an upgrade, what are you doing? Are you going to that mid-pricer or are you going to be really, really hold strong and do the double downgrade? What are your thoughts there in the next few weeks? So, yeah, my, my notes and my rules from, from previous years is if I can't make the upgrade I want to a top eight, top six um, player in position, is I double downgrade hmm. uh, and then carry on the trend for the weeks after. Yep, okay, move on from that, like that. So, Hugh Dixon, uh, now I like it a lot. Yeah, um, I'm very fortunate to have him at R3, so let the cash gen begin. I think he's going to play the backup ruck spot, in my opinion. I think they'll go Bailey Williams, number one ruck, um, and they'll go Dixon at um, at the backup, what Simo would love about Dixon is his ability to compete, not just in the ruck, but in the air. So it takes the pressure off Jack Darling, takes the pressure off Josh Kennedy, especially given Josh Kennedy's age right now. So Dixon can crash packs, get it to ground if he needs to, compete, 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 and, and that's where the value add is. The only flag I have is Oscar Allen isn't too far away. So mm-hmm. that's the spot he takes. Let's hope we get two more weeks out of here, Dixon, because it could be two and, and that's it for the short term. Yeah, when I was listening to that Simo press conference and then I think it was asked, you know, what players on the radar to come back. But the one of the one player that was and this is pre Nick Nat in, obviously injury outcome was the one player I was listening to was you know how far off Austin Allen is and yeah and uh, Ryan Daniels has actually got that information out there as well so um, yeah it's probably a couple of weeks away so you know hopefully we get a two more out of Dixon and that that should be enough but I think Simo is starting to really want to him so I think that's actually all positive so what he's come out and said uh, last couple of weeks on Dixon has actually been really positive so I think he was settling into a nice spot there as well so let's see how that goes I think it's all positive for the short term for Dixon. Alrighty. So Jaden Short, love the pick. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Top six defender, no doubt. Yeah, Jack Sinclair out of the middle last week and moved to half back, but in the middle half back, I still like the pick here. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, he got moved away from the inside. So look, I can name six primo defenders ahead of him. So for that reason, it's a dislike. But loving what he's doing early in the season, obviously. Okay, Rory led. I'm going to say lock here, and that's because there's no ownership in this in this top ranked team. So we know he's got a ceiling. I like the pick here, Jeff. Yeah, like too. I think he's a top eight mid. Ben Keys, if only he was like 100k short, I think he'd be a monster target this week. But he's not. He's at you know nearly a million dollars. So, but I still love the pick from his scoring output. But you know we're going to blow our bank and trying to get to this one player. I'm not too sure that's smart, but I do love the pick. I dislike the pick. I think it's too too high risk. Um, you can, pl- like I said earlier in the pod, let's play it safe these these rounds and and pick the PODs later. Okay, next player. So West Coast are getting uh, not really towards full strength, but they're getting there slowly by slowly. So that you know what pressure that puts on Luke Foley, but scoring starting to dry up just a little bit. Still not bad, but you know if if he's the only uh, issue on your team, I'll probably look to move him on. So I still don't mind the pick, but yeah, at some stage it's going to have to be a dislike here moving on, Jeff. Yeah, if he plays, you hold obviously, um, but it's reduced role now, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's dropped. So a lot of people coming back into the side. Um, Rotham was the sub last week, which was a surprise to me. Something must be happening behind the four walls there with discipline, or not so much discipline, but structure and 
and he's he's obviously not doing something right in, in the back six. So, um, yeah, look, just owners got to be wary that it could be dropped and you need to have a plan for him, really. But it's a Friday night game, so it's nice and early, really. Okay, Darcy, Parrish, like the pick. Yeah, love it. Uh, Jai Cobble, uh, I think um, still going to say this like, but he's still getting it done, so he's proved me wrong all the way. Oh, it's I'm an owner and I'm frustrated. Uh, it's a dislike. I'm hoping though he gets cheeky forward status, so he's lining up at half forward at the centre bounces. And if I go by Mitch Duncan last year getting forward status at the start of this year, um, that was a similar sort of um, trend. Um, so holding out for that, not holding my breath though, and um, it should do well against Freya this week. So actually, yeah, I'll say a like for this week. Jake Barry, massive dislike here for me. Yeah, dislike. Will Brody getting it done in the extraction point of the ball for the Dockers, but yeah, strong to come back in. So, you know, does that impact him a little bit? Maybe, but I still think he's actually just performing at an elite level right now. So, Will Brody, big like for me. Big like for me too, and noticed a big improvement in his ball use. Okay, Jack Hayes. So, uh, Paddy Ryder two weeks on the sideline, so Hayes coming back in, hopefully. So, for those that held Hayes, you pretty much uh, should be in a decent situation. So, from that point of view, I do like. Yeah, like, obviously. But you're not trading him in. It's just for the current owners. Okay, so on to Mitch Duncan. Um, Again, like, Western Australian players, I'm out, and Geelong players pretty much, except for Cooper Stevens when he comes in. And hopefully he comes in for a significant period of time at some stage. And Chris Scott has actually said he's, he's, it's just a matter of win pretty much for uh, Stevens, so keep an eye on that. Um, but the, the Cats have a rotation policy, policy this year, so therefore any Geelong player that is, is over 300k, massive dislike from Egypt. Uh, yeah, same. I, um, you know, the scores have shown that he, he's not performing where he has in the past, so it's dislike. Yeah, massive interrupted pre-season as well, so you don't really want to go on yeah. longevity of hold, trying to hold him on for the entire year coming off of, off that interruption. All right, Josh Kelly. So centre bounce is not really high, so it's a bit of an issue. So the scores have been fluctuating. Um, Tom Green's gone in the middle. Hopper's gone out injured. Uh, Toby Green's to come back in, so that actually might push Kelly up further up the field where he can get a stack of the ball. Um, I, I still like the pick here. Yeah, I do too. I think... Um, Liam Cameron has to make some waves there. And he's already done that by taking Keneally out of the centre bounces. But what's got to happen now is it's got to be well, the majority of their top three CBA attenders have got to be Josh Kelly because he's your bond equivalent. He's the Rolls Royce, the ball user, the delivery inside of 50. I think Taranto has a lot of value in the CBA. He's just an extractor. And Tom Green is incredibly strong and well-balanced Um as well, and, and you're having those top three in there, I think that's the mix they need to go with for the short term. So expecting a big spike in, in Kelly's scores over the next month. Yeah, so listening to Leon Cameron the last couple of weeks, he pretty much said this on Stephen Kenelia, is that when I went to the Lockie Ash tag, not, not this week, just gone, but the week before, is that somebody had to come out of those, the middle of the ground. And it was Stephen Cornelia. He actually said that, is that, we, you know, to put Ash in there, somebody had to come out, it was Cornelia. And that was the same thing on the weekend. So, so Cornelia centre bounces going down was meaning with a going with a tag. So that situation is pretty much linked with Cornelia, Lockie Ash. So just keep an eye out for that. But I think the potential for, for Josh Kelly is Toby Green coming back in. So, you know, for some reason, oh, look, I'd be playing... Um, 
Kelly at the centre bounces all the time, pretty much every time. But for some reason, Leon Cameron hasn't decided to do that. But, you know, the, the Giants have a stack of midfielders. So at what point, you know, is he going to settle that midfield down so they can get some continuity going? So we'll just have to wait and see with Cameron um, what he does. But, yeah, Cornelio's uh, directly linked, as as per what Leon Cameron said, with that Lockie Ash tag. So if Ash comes into the middle of the ground this week and, and you know, goes against Petrarca, which, you know, it's, it's the size difference there would be pretty big, but Petrarca is just a mountain. Um, you know, that potentially means that Cornelio's on the outs again for the centre bouncer. So we're going to have to wait and see if they want to target. Uh, yeah, he might actually even go and target um, Oliver. So, you know, because you, you do one or the other pretty much from an opposition point of view. So that means that if that's the case, they're going to tag again. Cornelio's on the outs again based on what Liam Cameron has said. So, yeah, interesting situation there. But I'd still, I still like, do like Kelly. So if those are offloading, I'm actually still interested in that. Andrew Bradshaw, big like here for me. Yeah, love uh, Brad Crouch getting it done, so Saints doing well, and I, th- you know, but that was a soft matchup against Hawthorne last week. Those, the Hawks are giving up stacks of disposals and stacks of midfield stuff, so you know you got to put that in in, in in part into what's happening with St Kilda just last weekend. But still, the Saints have been really efficient through that midfield. I think Crouch is playing at a pretty high level, almost a career best level right now. I like it. I dislike. I don't see the point of bringing in someone that's not a top eight, top ten, top twelve mid at this point. Fair enough. Jai Simpkins. So uh, Kangaroos were solid on the weekend, and Simpkins started to get the ball. So, you know, if that's a, their level they're going to play at, it's, it's not bad. I don't mind the P, but this, if we're talking about this week's matchup here as well, is against the Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs uh, dispose of the ball quite often. And, you know, the Kangaroos can turn around and tag the Bulldogs here as well. They, they do run a caller roll, not a heavy tag, but a caller roll blocking uh, players off stoppages. So you've got to keep an eye out, you know, who that's going to play is going to be targeted from the Bulldogs' point of view. But from Jai Simpkin, I, I don't mind the pick, but, you know, it might lend back into what you just said with regards to the top eight. You know, is he net? I would say not. He's not top eight, but he's pushing for it. And I must admit, he did almost win the game, um, the Kangaroos. He was really, really good in that in that match, especially in the second half. So they're they're around the marks. I, I just probably wary where North Melbourne are at, and and you know on, on the back of a few hidings throughout the year that might hinder his scoring. Okay, on to Andrew McGrath. So Zach Merritt out, Andrew McGrath into the midfield. On his first week back into that midfield, he he ran a tag. On the second week, he didn't. He found a stack of it against Adelaide, but obviously he's a softer type matchup. So we'll see how that plays out against uh, the next few weeks. But you know, as soon as Merritt comes back in, uh, that potentially means McGrath goes back to a half back type role where he can still win plenty of ball there as well. Now, at his remember at his under 18s and his his um, last couple of years of his juniors, he was an elite ball winner. So. You know, it's going to be a few weeks right here in the midfield for um, McGrath. So it's, at what point can you take this to the buys? I think you can, but, you know, do you want to spend that to, on just a player like McGrath? But if, if Rutten and the coaching staff for the Bombers turn around and say, well, OK, McGrath, you're actually tagging this week, that is going to um, put a dampener on his ceiling. So for me, on it's watch this space for me with regards to McGrath, but, you know, I'm pretty much going to have to lean on the, the slight dislike here. Yeah, dislike for me too. If he gets defender status, obviously very interested. Okay, Callum Mills, so on the radar definitely now. So uh, fitness interrupt the pre-season. I think he's getting there with regards to uh, his genuine fitness. So for me, I'm going to say like you. Yeah, big like. I, I really think he should be a target for coaches out there this week. Uh, Luke McDonald, so I'm, you know... 
I'm just going to stray straight up here. This like for Luke McDonald scores can be volatile at times. Yeah, I agree. He's very up and down, and, and that's probably shown that in the past, hasn't he? So dislike also. Jack Steele. So again, I've mentioned that uh, soft matchup against the Hawks midfield last weekend. So Steele just ran it out quite easily, and that was pretty easy to forecast. So what does he do coming up in the next few rounds? So the Saints are being quite efficient and quite dynamic through their ball movement through the middle of the ground, through the corridor. So therefore, you know, those plus sixes on the outside with regards to the seal, what he was getting in those high ceiling years of last year and the year before, they might not be there this year. So I don't mind the peak, but I'm not going to be certainly paying over 900k for steel. I'd, I'd pretty much want to be spending at uh, low 800. So if he gets down to that price, I'll be interested. But yeah, this high ceiling game, is really interested to see, you know, against tough opposition, what he's ceiling could be because I think it's going to be less than what we did say previous years, Chip. Yeah, no, I, I like. I think um, he, he continues on the trend. He, he has this Gold Coast Suns this week, so expecting a big score, but then Giants the week after. And um, as an owner, I'm hoping he doesn't get the ash tag. All right, so Willie Rioli probably getting up there in price with regards to targeting him, but uh, definitely a good start for his return to footy, Chip. Yeah, I just I've always had a rule try and avoid small forwards where possible. Just you know, there are exceptions to the rule, but um, I think defenses should be honing in on Rioli a little bit harder, given how well he played against Collingwood. Um, so yeah, dislike. Zach Williams, just probably just that inconsistency is just destroying me. Sort of looking at him right now, Jeff. Thoughts? Yeah, no dislike straight out. Now Jordan Degoe. So this is the one where Craig McRae has said, yeah, we actually like to go in that mid- middle of the ground, which is quite interesting because that's not was what was forecast in the preseason, that he was going to spend time forward. But the Pies do have concerns with regards to Elliot going down, so that there's therefore that that lend itself to, to go playing more um, forward. So if Elliot was still in that team, I would be actually, to go would be right up there for target for me. So, But for Elliot's injury, injury therefore, you know, to go um Sitting in that forward line again, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the Pies are getting it in in the forward line a stack, but they can't score. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a mix-up with regards to player personnel in that forward line. So you know that does lend itself to potentially to go spending more time forward. So I'm going to, I was pretty much before that Elliot injury going to target the goey, but you know I've flipped on my head now, so I'm just going to go back as a dislike chip. Yeah, dislike for me too. And a shout out to um, one of the Pies fans who. Her name's Jen. She's got a handle, Jen, I think it's at Jen2310, who's at pretty much every Collingwood training, and Dugowie was training in the forward line in their match in today. So dislike on that basis but and see how it plays out. Okay, Rowan Marshall. Paddy Ryder out for a couple of weeks. That's going to be a very short-term big like here for me for Rowan Marshall, Chip. No, it's a dislike for me. I, um, I stay away I've had the long-term view on it, on everything at the moment, and it's a dislike. Tom Green in that centre bounces, but in that third quarter against Fremantle on Saturday night, Leon came and pushed him forward, uh, which was a bit of an issue. So it did limit his output. So, you know, who knows what Leon Cameron's going to do that midfield and, and how many giants do you want in, in your fantasy team going forward? I still love the peak. He's just a mountain. He's just a building compared to most other players, Jeff. I like it still. He's he's going to be a great player, isn't he? Um, I, it's a dislike for me, unfortunately, mate. I um, there's too many elements. It's like the Bulldogs. There's too many um, magnets you can move, and um, he just burns you. When I think he had 70 odd on the, against Frio, um, which which hurts because everyone's bringing him, thinking he can be the Darcy Parish of last year. Mm. Okay, onto Marcus Pontepelli. So. 
I don't mind the pick, but you know how many bulldogs you want in that team. Uh, you know potentially you're going to be hitting yourself if you've got you know four or five in there or three or four. How many ever you want in that team? But yeah, for me it's a wait and see on Bonto Pally just for the time being. So dislike you for me. Yeah, dislike as well. Elliot Yo, so we'll have no ownership, but obviously massively interrupted preseason and injuries over the last uh, period of his career. So. You know, he's going to have no ownership in if but if he can string, you know, eight to ten games per year, he can run up those scores, Chip, and obviously inside can test the ball and he can run up, run up those tackle numbers pretty quickly as well. So he, on the radar, but still dislike for me. Yeah, exactly. Same for me there. Um, I think we let's just see how it plays out. Uh, Luke Davis, Uniaki. So back into the team. You know, I, I still think it's almost a straight-up dislike for me. I, I just think there's going to be too much volatility here for me, so dislike. Yeah, dislike as well. Uh, Jack McRae, uh, big like here for me. Um, yeah, top eight mid, no doubt about it. Like. Already Neil Erasmus, so obviously selection squeeze happening at female upcoming, so just keep an eye on that with regards to his status in the team. So for me, from that point of view, he could be squeezed out. I'm going to say dislike, but I think long-term is actually a big like here for me for Erasmus, Jeff. Yeah, dislike. I think he um, actually gets dropped this week by the sounds of Longmuir t- tonight in his press conference. It's uh, not looking positive. Okay, Thompson Dow. So getting it done in that Tigers midfield. Now Martin's still out of the team. He's actually in the middle of the ground at centre bounces. He's actually scoring okay based on what his uh, salary range is. So a uh, big like here for me. Yeah, like as well. Um, sort of had it on the radar and, and probably missed the boat with his price now, but still like. So Sam Walsh, so long-term, you know, what are we going to look at from Sam Walsh's point of view? So obviously big interrupted pre-season, uh, but he looks okay. But, you know, early volatile scoring uh, with the Crips, Crips out in the short term, you know, his scoring could spike a little bit. But what's it going to look like long-term? You know, Hewitt's killing it in the middle of the ground. Cherry's in there as well, but Crips is in there as well. You know, could Walsh see a little bit more outside time, which is not that bad. I still think he can win stack a ball. You know, he's got no real ownership here whatsoever, Jep. So maybe he's a target at some stage. At this stage, I'm going to say it's just a slight dislike, but really one one on the radar if he drops a significant amount of salary to target while ahead of others, Jep. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%, mate. Okay, and the last one we're going to finish off here is Adam Chera. So in that Sam Walsh conversation, so, you know, he could be the one at, at centre bounces where he's doing the blocking off the ball to allow Cripps and Walsh and, and Hewitt to steam in and grab that ball. So, you know, if that's the case, therefore it's going to be volatile scoring for Chera. I thought he was going to be okay for the start of the season, but based on what I'm seeing at stoppages with regards to Carlton, uh, centre bounce and stoppage work, you know, that he's blocking uh, opponents off the ball to allow Cripps to come in and get the ball. So if that's the case, it's a big dislike here for me, Chera. Yeah, dislike as well. I um, I don't see him pushing the top 10 midfielders or top 12 even. Okay, final thoughts ahead of round five, Jep. Well, we say it every week, don't we? It's, it's have the backup plan, plan out your trades, but the added element for this round is we've got the Monday game. So... You know, what What are your plans for Josh Ward? I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Ward's rested, potentially. It may, it may not happen. Um, so that's a common issue for, for many coaches out there. Um, but obviously, yeah, plan ahead, have backup plans, have the depth coverage on, on your bench and, um, and yeah, enjoy, enjoy the round of footy. Yeah, long week, obviously five days of footy ahead. So monitor news, plan trades ahead, uh, have backup plans. Uh, if you're going to be trading at Ward, you know, that's an early locked-in trade that you can't reverse. So um, just monitor out 
monitor out that news to see if you know he's the one that you need to get out of that team. Uh, for late news, obviously, for, for Saturday and Sunday and from when Hawthorne Geelong teams are named. Uh, target, once again, target low break-evens. I have deep bench cover for me, obviously. And most importantly, and this is the one thing that I'm really focusing in on over the next few weeks, is try to maintain flexibility in your squad. So obviously flipping players around into different unique positions. We've got that utility position now, which is actually quite ideal. But, you know, flipping players to from one line to another line that allows you to potentially uh, loop a pretty decent score in so really try and focus in and you know your trades could be based around um, holding a certain player that you know offers you know high flexibility to your team so and, and I'll just I'll just reference one player here that it's, it's going to stay in my team for quite a while potentially through the buy period with regards to even if he's not in that team you know it depends on how much he makes is potentially Hugh Dixon so you know with uh, Proust injury injury uh, with Proust suspension this week you know Hugh Dixon becomes highly valuable into my team not based on his on-field scoring which I might look in at some stage but you know for me for moving around players um, in into position and providing extra cover there as well when he is playing so you know I'm more, I was thinking today that I might actually hold him a little bit longer even you know if he gets to the stage where he's out of the team just to provide my team that flexibility because we think we're going to get stuck with regards to how many players we're going to have available throughout the year and having that flexibility to move players around in your squad to cover you know potential outs is obviously highly valuable thoughts there Jeff? Yeah flexibility mate like you said it's, it's the key isn't it so Maintaining options and um, obviously the DPPs come out just before round six trades, I believe. So this is our last week where we'll have more options. You know, Dacos should get defender status, Cherry Ruck status. We're going to have a lot more movement um, and a lot more flexibility, which helps. Okay, so the game finishes on Monday, but the round six of the next game is on a Friday. So lucky we don't have the short turnaround with regards to um, deciding who we're going to target, if any, from uh, that get an upgrade in uh, DPP status. So you know we do have that Thursday off next week, so which is really important, so we can sort of take our time and start to think about it, because that that goes straight into Anzac Day weekend. So that is you know. Friday uh, the 22nd all the way through onto Monday that's going into round six so yeah no Thursday next week so it gives us a bit of time to sort of uh, di- sort of uh, digest any information and make some uh, long-term decisions all right Jeff that's all good luck for round five this week for yourself and we'll chat next week thanks guys